Welcome to the Impact Insights Podcast. My name is Victoria O'Neill and I'm the Group Account Director here at the Impact Agency. I also lead our corporate affairs and reputation team and have a personal passion for issues and crisis management. For Impact's first podcast of the year, I was really pleased to sit down with two seasoned communications professionals, Lucy Coggan, Head of Engagement Marketing with Bupa, and Dr. Gwyneth Howell, Associate Professor and Distinguished Teaching Fellow at Western Sydney University. Both Lucy and Gwyneth have a wealth of experience, and throughout our chat, we explored their experiences with issues management and crisis work, some more stories from their time on the front line, what they've learned so far, and finally, what they believe should be on the radar for all comms professionals in 2019 when it comes to managing a crisis or issue. Lucy cut her communications teeth agency side, working for the likes of Beyond the Square, Peach and Helen Knowlton before moving to in-house roles with a greater focus on the marketing function with the RMS, New South Wales Health and now with healthcare group Booper. Our conversation started with Lucy sharing some insights into her first encounters with crisis work. There was always a focus on prevention uh, in agency land and that was the ultimate success. It was funny, I went for a, a role once in issues and crisis and someone said, tell me about a time you're in a crisis. And I honestly, I said, well, I haven't been in, in a full-blown crisis because we've done such a great job preparing and mitigating. So I've definitely observed a lot of things that had potential to be pretty hairy for some of our clients. But a lot of our time was focused on making sure that we never got to that point. There was one particular uh, crisis we were pulled in on after the fact. I don't know if everyone remembers, it was when one of the big shipping tankers hit the Great Barrier Reef and there was oil pouring out on the reef and it was it was very upsetting actually. And we were called in by the parent company to essentially monitor what was being said about the crisis in the media to make sure that what was being reported on was fact because they'd learned the hard way in a previous scenario, media reports were taken as fact in the actual, I guess, when it all came to trial. So it was very much about making sure that nothing was becoming truth in the public eye. And I think that's one of the key learnings about issues and crises and comms in general. There's the real truth, but then there's the public truth and the public belief. And that's actually the most important thing to manage. The concept of perception versus reality is also the one that piqued Gwyneth's interest in the early days of her academic career. Since 2001, Gwyneth's studies have led her to the creation of an internationally recognised media action crisis model to track changes and trends in the media during a crisis and a PhD exploring the impact of corporate rumours. I think it was because... But we all suffer crises in our lives and I had worked for organisations where crises hadn't been managed well. So when I went back to do my master's, I really wanted to explore how a crisis life cycle rolls out and the original sort of sense about a crisis life cycle was like a product life cycle that was ever going around in a circle and that's not how a crisis works and there are really distinct phases where you, there's the opportunity for you to be reactive or proactive and there's that opportunity to be proactive and control the message and then if you are reacting because you aren't in control it's usually because the organisation either doesn't have a good reputation or hasn't actually set up the channels and done the back work to have good relationships with their key stakeholders before something like that happens. My PhD was in commercial rumour and that was when the internet was first sort of really starting to have websites and people setting up pieces of interesting communication where they suddenly realised that they as individuals could also be reporters and they could voice their opinions online. And the thing about the internet is it's got the persistency of print and the immediacy of the telephone. It's just, 
it's there. So then what do we do with it? And now we get vision attached to that. So how do we now look at managing those stages of a crisis as an organisation. So that's where my PhD work went, but that's now really evolved. And it's thanks to the way our whole manner of communication has changed. Both Lucy and Gwyneth agree that in the current media landscape, getting a fast and accurate read on public sentiment is critical in any crisis. For Lucy and the team at Booper, this was especially true when the brand became embroiled in the cricket ball tampering scandal through the brand's role as a major sponsor. Booper is a long-term partner of Cricket Australia and I suppose we have a relationship with cricket similar to every other person in Australia. Yes, we are a sponsor, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we feel any different about what happens in the cricket realm. You know, when the team wins, we're elated, just like customers. When they don't win, we're like, oh, well, that's a shame. But but I guess what it really highlighted was it's actually not about winning or losing. One of the wonderful things about the cricket brand and one of the things that we love about cricket is it's about how you play the game. It's not just about the winning or the losing. And I think that's what really rocked people at a a national identity level around the ball tampering. Understanding your context is so crucial. When you think about it at a really micro level, say you're going over to a friend's house for a dinner party and you walk in and you start talking about death and destruction or murder, it's not a great start to a dinner party. There's nothing wrong with that conversation. You could have a really good viewpoint, but it's just the wrong context and it can totally change how your message is received. And that's, I guess, what happens at a macro level in an issue in a crisis. And particularly when you think about bull tampering as an example, it's a highly emotive, high profile, almost shocking thing to people. And so it's even more important, I think, to kind of consider the irrational and emotional factors in how people respond to a crisis. But when it comes down to, I think, how this could happen, and I think that's that was the key thing, wasn't it? Everyone's sitting around going, but how, how could they even think that was okay? What's going through their heads? I think there's been a lot of discussion since March when it all hit the fan. And the common thread that I really identify with is that it can happen in business and it can happen in a family and it can happen when you're a sports star. People can get a little bit cut off from the broader reality and they think that their normal is actually normal for everybody and and that's when you can get really in, in a lot of trouble. I think what happens in the cricket example is that there was perhaps a disservice done to the players around keeping them in touch with reality, keeping them in touch with everyday behaviour everyday people, so that they're kind of constantly rooted in reality and be able to have that kind of compass in that place. Because I think for them, perhaps it became just a normal part of their reality and they didn't actually realise what they had actually done until it hit the fan and they saw that reaction. Um, And I think that would have been really quite hard for them to manage and to deal with. So yeah, I think... It is exactly that, being in touch with your audience, being in touch with the world around you so that you understand it's not just the message that you send out, it's the context it lands is where all the meaning is derived. I mean, that's effective communication there. As major sponsors of Cricket Australia, being in touch with their audience was critical to the organisation's response when customers and commentators alike called for Booper to withdraw its support from the team. When it comes to, I guess, the human side of our brand and trying to think about how does it behave in a crisis, like ball tampering, for example, we kind of sit back and we're like, actually, the voice of Bupa is to not lay blame, but to help 
to demonstrate care and to help people make sense of it and to help people be better. That's essentially it. We sponsor cricket not because we're best mates with the head of Cricket Australia. We sponsor cricket because it means something to our shared audience. It means something as part of it being an Aussie or a Kiwi. And so the approach that we decided to take was very much around being on the side of the fans and helping people to process what was a very personal thing for a lot of people and quite a national thing as well. And so what we did was we, we played to our human elements of our brand So as a brand, who are we and what is our voice and why do things matter to us? And when we sat back, we thought, actually, you know what, this is about helping people to process something that can have a big impact on their life. This is about helping our customers have conversations with their kids. This is about having a conversation about when people make mistakes, what what do you do? How do you respond How do you process it? How do you rebuild? And very much playing in a space where we've been talking for a long time around conversations and connecting with the people that you love to help them through times of trial. So we've got a really great relationship with Kids Helpline and they give us a really good litmus test on kids in particular in Australia. What do they care about and what do they struggle about? So they have a really good finger on the pulse in terms of that. We know, for example, families are the largest part of our audience and families are people who mostly have kids and what keeps them up at night is, are my kids emotionally well? Are they okay? What can I do to help them? So we're all about fostering those ongoing conversations, which is one of the reasons why we work with Marvellous Kids Helpline. So we basically, we heard the insight out there around kids just being completely disillusioned and adults, actually. These are my idols. How could they do this to me? You know, one story makes me well up. This kid, a uh, 10-year-old boy who idolises cricketers, goes into his room, tears down his poster of Steve Smith. Oh, gosh. Oh, just breaks me. And as a parent, to, to see that, what do you do? Particularly, what do you do when you've got your own emotion around the issue as well? So we said, okay, let's have a conversation. Let's have a chat with ourselves. We got some wonderful people that we work with, influencers out there who are passionate about cricket. We know their kids are passionate about cricket. We team them up with Kids Helpline and we basically just develop some content to share with everybody around when people make mistakes how do you have a conversation? How do you frame that up? Giving people, the, I guess, the tools to one process, but two, to be able to have a conversation in their daily lives ongoing. Why didn't you feed the dog? Or why did you use sandpaper on a cricket ball? The same skills relate to all sorts of situations in life. Actually, I think one of the things that I liked about it was it kind of got people thinking about their own reaction to the issue and having a think about, yeah, when something goes wrong, you don't just cut people off, you know, you don't make rash decisions, you stop and think and be human. To err is human and when we make mistakes, an apology can often go a long way to creating a turning point in a crisis. I'm sure most Australians will remember when Cricket Australia did finally get a reading on the mood and sentiment of everyday Australians and took action. The three team members involved, Captain Steve Smith, Cameron Bancroft and David Warner, delivered three distinctly different apologies that evoked different reactions from the Australian public. I asked Gwyneth why some apologies can herald the end of an issue in the media cycle and why others add fuel to the fire. I think that, and I have to put my hand up and say I've got children that play cricket, so for me it was a difficult conversation to have around the dinner table as well, is that if this captain of Australia can cheat, why can't I? I think that Steve Smith's heartfelt emotional apology will go down in my mind anyway, is one of the events that I saw as just so 
incredibly sad that Cricket Australia wasn't there to protect him. And I think that they failed in their duty of care, regardless of what those three players had done. I think that Bancroft came across as someone with honest remorse and the fact that he wanted just to be part of the team and that's why he did it. The issue with David Warner's apology is that he's almost like a combative personality that we've seen in the media anyway. He had done things on that tour that I just struggled to understand how that wasn't sanctioned to begin with in terms of his behaviour and then for him to decide to hire a communications person who is a publicist who actually made it more about her than she did about him and the fact that we had her crying with his wife in the seats as he announced that he was sorry, it didn't actually demonstrate to me that it was authentic or real. And I think that that's part of the struggle when it comes to framing your apology. When you're going to say sorry, you actually need to mean it. Once a crisis or issue has passed, it is easy to look back and think about what you might have done differently. But according to Gwyneth, organisations who aren't monitoring, assessing and adapting their communication plans in real time will quickly find themselves in hot water. Before they actually toured, they'd gone through that really difficult negotiation with the players about pay and we'd all seen that roll out in the media as well. I don't think that they were actually testing message or following messages that were appearing. I think that they were bunnies in the headlights in a way that they didn't actually grasp the enormity of the way the landscape was changing underneath their feet. I don't think that they were out in the community understanding sentiment and measuring and tracking to see where, like the grassroots players and those small clubs, where they were actually situated in terms of their opinions. And this win-at-all-cost psyche that we've now been given as part of the reason for what they did doesn't demonstrate sportsmanship and doesn't demonstrate the quality of the leadership that many young children look up to to expect to see. Yet if you turn on the television and watch women's cricket, you see a totally different level of behaviour. They are competitive. They want to win, but they won't win at all costs. There is a sense of community, particularly in if you go to see any women's cricket game, which we do, is it's a different feel to when you go to see the men's game. For Booper, gaining an accurate understanding of how they could best help their customers and the general public was underpinned by support from outside of the company. I think it'd be fair to say when people are in a crisis, be it personal or professional, it is a very emotional time. So being able to have a third party there who isn't necessarily involved personally, it gives a sense of calm, it gives a sense of trust and it just helps you to make sure you make the right decision or things considered. Thinking about the cricket issue is a really interesting issue because it wasn't just about Bupa and it wasn't just about the work setting or our customers. It was a national issue that we kind of had, I guess, an opportunity really to make a difference in. So we could have sat back and not said anything. We were obviously monitoring as to whether we would come into the spotlight like some of the other brands did, but we could have stayed below the radar. So there was that question, you know, do we poke the bear? (laughs) It was kind of like, well... There's no risk there. I think we should just go and do it. So from a cricket perspective, one of the challenges was we always talk about the barbecue conversations and there's a barbecue conversation that happens at a personal level, at a macro level, but then there's also what's Booper doing and how do we tool people up to answer that? How do we tool people up to feel like, that one, they're in the know because there's that definite sense internally, people want to know what we're doing. But two, I guess, to be able to be on message. So internally, I think... 
it's very important that you break things down to really simple themes for people. And that's what we do at Bupa. We, we come back to this overarching theme, which is essentially we support cricket just like everybody else. Yeah, we're upset just like everybody else, but here's what we're going to do. So with 2018 well and truly behind us, I asked Lucy and Gwyneth to share their top tips for individuals or organisations who find themselves facing an issue or crisis in 2019. As it unfolds is a really interesting time. A piece of advice that isn't necessarily about the work. It's about sustainability in an issue or a crisis. It's hard work. When the horse is already bolted, I think what you need to do is realise that as a person in it, as a communicator, um, whether you're on agency side or internal, you have to set some limits around how you cope in that situation. Yes, you may need to be on call 24-7, but that's not feasible for one person for weeks on end. So it's really about thinking about your team and setting it up to be sustainable. An issue in a crisis is all about judgment. And your judgment is only so sharp if, you know, you haven't slept or if you haven't spent time with your family or if you haven't taken time just to observe what's happening. That's your power in an issue in crisis, to be able to kind of say, hang on, let's just step back and have a think. So I think it's really important whether you think it's going to be a day or two days or two weeks or two months, have that lens on yourself, not just the crisis. When you're preparing for an issue or a crisis, I think that people underestimate the power of authenticity. There's a sense that an organisation needs to have all of the answers. And I think in theory, we often say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in practice, when the heat is on, that is a real tension. It doesn't matter how experienced you are in these organisations or in your position, this constant tension, oh, well, we don't know all of the answers. It's much better to be open and communicate to some extent than to lock yourself away hoping that you one day have all of the answers. Oh, when we know that, we'll then communicate. Just letting people know that you're trying to figure that out is sometimes really helpful and gives people that comfort. For Gwyneth, it comes down to having the right information at the right time. Being an academic, one of the first things I say to my students is, right, if we're going to do research, we need to research at the beginning to know where we're starting from because if you're going to put this plan in place and six months later you've got no benchmark to tell me where you're going from and you haven't checked it at three months even, then why did you do it in the first place? So it's a complete waste of effort if you aren't actually monitoring on a regular basis and testing the waters. And today, with social and digital, those channels make it much easier. It's cost-effective and it's then actually defending or supporting the decisions that you're making and it gives you power at the boardroom table to say, no, this is what I can see. Thank you to Lucy and Gwyneth for joining me and thank you to our listeners for downloading the Impact Insights podcast. We have a terrific series of topics and special guests that will be joining us throughout the year. So please keep an eye out in a month's time for our next episode.